The following podcast is a presentation of Liberty Christian Fellowship, loving God and loving people in a hurting world. For more information about our church, visit us online at libertyobx.com. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates and encouragement. We hope this message inspires you and blesses you. Now prepare your hearts to hear a powerful word from God. God bless. This thing with uh, the time change every year, uh, it messes with me, whether it's in the fall when somehow or another somebody decided it was a good idea to have darkness before five o'clock in the afternoon, or, uh, or whether it's wonderful in the spring and it's daylight till like nine o'clock at night. Um, who's, it doesn't matter which way the time change is. It's like it takes me several days to get my brain back together. Is anybody else like that? It just totally messes me up. And I'm exhausted and sometimes I'm grumpy and I don't know if you're like me. I don't like people messing with my time. You? You get interrupted. Somebody wastes your time. You know, I don't know. And this whole thing about uh, uh, daylight savings time, I think, is one of the great offenders of our time. So if you're struggling this morning, I do want you to know we typically have some free coffee in the back if you're dragging today. Um, Did anybody get here, like, really early today because you didn't change your clock? Anybody? That I, it's awesome. We like it. Maybe I do that every week, make people early to church. But today we're going to launch a new series of messages and some teaching. I want to really encourage you to be here for the next number of weeks. Um, relates to what we were just talking about, relates to fear. We're going to come back, come back to that in just a minute. But as we talk about your generous life, about having a generous life, Last year, we did some teaching specifically related to um, finances and stewarding finances and some things like that. And uh, a lot of times when we talk about generosity in a church, people get the feeling um, that we almost named last year's sermon series when we talked about finances, we almost named it, The Church Just Wants Your Money. We almost had that title. And the truth is, if you've got kids in elementary school or whatever, it seems like you're, or your cell phone bill and you see all the different taxes for everything else and half of them, you don't even understand what they are. It seems like everywhere you turn, you feel like you're getting nickeled and dimed, right? Every time you turn around, somebody else wants another dollar, another donation, another whatever. And now, I mean, how many of you feel guilty? It's like if you're going shopping and you go to the grocery store, you go to the dollar store, you got to go by wherever, four or five different stores. And every single one of them, when you swipe your card, is now asking you for a donation for something. And you're feeling that pressure. You're going, okay, well, I already gave it like four other places today. But am I a bad person if I say no to this one? Anybody in here feel like that? You know you do. You know you do. All right? We feel like that. But I want you to understand, what we're getting ready to talk about for the next number of weeks is not what that's about. Generosity is about a life to be lived. It's about a way we live. It's about our heart condition. It's about our attitudes. It's about our mindset. It's about our relationships. Maybe you've been in a marriage or a friendship didn't mention this in the first service, but maybe you've been in a relationship where that other person in that relationship was stingy with their heart with you. They were stingy with their attitude or with their love. Generosity, the disposition, the lifestyle of generosity is a thing that unlocks for you blessings and freedom. So often we're called up with that desperation of having to have because we're afraid we're going to lose 
or that we're not going to get or that we'll never achieve. And so we acquire and hoard. And what winds up happening is we wind up getting imprisoned. We're imprisoned by all the stuff we're afraid we're going to lose or that we'll never achieve. So this thing about discovering what generosity is all about is huge. It's a doorway really to the supernatural and stepping into blessings and the freedom that God's designed for you. Um, a passage of scripture that I never, ever, ever, ever want you to get, to get old for you. And most of us, when we talk about this scripture, you immediately think about Sunday school and you whatever. But I, I want you to really, really hear this. And I do say this often from up here, but it's because I don't want it to get old for you. John 3.16 God so loved, okay, God so loved the way he loved, the way he is, he is love, God so loved that he gave. So that the response of what God is like is to be generous. And his love is so overwhelming, which produces an overwhelming generosity response that he gave all of himself his highest and his best. He gave the all of what he had, the exact representation of himself. He gave his son. So that if we would choose to believe, we would receive everything he's ever wanted to give us, this everlasting life. And in John 17, we're told that everlasting life is to know God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. Generosity is the deal from the very beginning. It flows out of the nature of God and it's what's afforded you eternal life and freedom and life change and transformation. It was out of generosity that you know Jesus. And you had to choose to give something too. If you know him, you gave your life, right? Generosity uh, is the deal. I want you to flip over to Matthew, uh, Mark. Sorry, I got it wrong in the first service. (laughs) Mark chapter eight, if you will with me. And look down at verse 34. And it says this, Then he, being Jesus, uh, called the crowd to himself along with his disciples and said this, Whoever wants to be my disciple, wants to be a follower of Jesus, wants to go where he's going, whoever wants to know Jesus, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their own soul? We find true life by giving him our life. The very thing that's deep down in the bottom of the heart of every single human being, the desire for fulfillment, this desire for something more, that, as we would say, the God-shaped hole in the heart, is found by us giving our life and in return we receive his. Because you can spend all of your time trying to acquire for yourself so that you can feel fulfilled, feel satisfied, feel prosperous, feel successful, feel beautiful, feel whatever, and it not profit you anything. Right? Because at the end of the day, it all goes back in the box and gets buried somewhere. Right? So what profits a person to try to gain everything for themselves and be satisfied only to lose it and lose their own life? But that if we will give our life, lose our life to him, we gain everything. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if you flip over there real quick. 
Once again, as I say to you, I cheat. I did put little tabs in my Bible. And currently they're not working. One just fell out. All right. All right. 1 Corinthians 6 says this. All the way down to verse 19. Now this is an interesting chapter because he's talking about sexual immorality here. But there's a key here that applies to everything. I'd encourage you to go read the chapters. It's uh, very good. And what God's talking about here is who owns the deal? Who owns it? Verse 19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Once again, there's given God, given all of himself. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. It's interesting. You're not your own. You were bought with a price to honor God with your body. You're not yours, but honor him with your body. What he's saying there is that you have given yourself to him, and now you're going to live according to his direction. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So if, if you are in Christ... If you have decided to be a follower of Christ, I don't know if you knew exactly what you were getting into, but the decision you made to give your life to Christ means that all of who you are, everything you have, everything you bring to the table, all your desires, your hopes, everything belongs to him. It's his stuff. Not your stuff. It's his stuff. Now, I know this is heavy, but I'm telling you, this is the prize. (laughs) It all belongs to him. That makes you something. It makes you a steward. If you've given your life to Christ, you are now a steward of stuff that belongs to him. A steward is this. A steward is a person who is responsible for somebody else's stuff to make decisions in line with the way that person would want their stuff to be used. That's a steward, right? So you don't get to take somebody else's stuff and do whatever you want to with it. You receive somebody else's stuff and you steward it. You use it in accordance with the way that person wants it to be used. That's a steward. And that's what we are if we've given our lives to Christ. Now, we don't like that because we like to be in charge. We want what we want. I love what my dad says. I didn't say this in the first service, so this is for you. My dad says that he is obsessive, obsessive, compulsive. He says it means this. I love this. He says, I want what I want, the way I want it, when I want it, and I don't want anybody between me and it when I'm trying to get it. That's what he says. Took me a while to memorize that. So, but we all are like that. We have desires and hopes and dreams, and then we're driven by fears, and we're trying to uh, acquire things to make ourselves feel better and all of that. But in reality, we need to have a realization that if we are in Christ, it's all his. And now we just get to live according to his direction, but we get to receive all the benefits from it. What do you do for your children? Have you ever said to your kid, I bought that. Who paid for that? Excuse me, whose stuff is that? You know, at some point you get to the, I brought you into this world part, but um, right. What are you trying to tell them? Hey, I know that you have possession of that, but I know best how that could be used for your benefit. So do it the way I need you to do it, right? That's what you're saying to your kid. So today in this thing about the generous life, a generous life, your generous life, what God wants to unlock in your life, we're going to start with what is the most fleeting resource at your disposal to steward. 
and it's time. Time is a unique resource. I don't know about you, but time terrorizes me. Anybody else feel that way? I mean, my daughter comes home in two weeks from her first little stint since August at college. She's coming home for Thanksgiving. She's been out at ministry school, and um, she's coming home, and we're super, super excited. But it's interesting, the longer I talk to her now on FaceTime, which is a beautiful benefit of the season of history that we live in, that I can talk face-to-face with my kid 3,005 miles away and, uh, and chat with her. But what's amazing is the high school student that I dropped off is this grown woman now when I'm talking to her on the, on the FaceTime and the phone. And it seems like yesterday I was still hearing her first cries at the hospital. Or I had this little slimy human being in my hands. I had no idea what to do with her. Right? And now, I mean, 16th birthday's gone. It's over. First words, done. In the bag. Little soccer when they're toddlers all running around the field chasing the ball like a little herd. Over. All that's in the bag. She's a grown woman. Does time terrorize you? At 45 years old, I'm coming to that realization where like I got more yesterdays probably than I do tomorrows. It'll terrorize you. It'll freak you out if you think about it too much. And what it leads us to do is to become very possessive of our time. The birth child of fear is control. Now, you understand this very well. If you think about whatever thing it is you don't like, you are controlling it so you don't have to deal with what you don't like. Bush Gardens, Griffin Roller Coaster, right? The thing has, it's like 10 cars wide. It's like way wider than it should be for the track it sits on. And it gets up at the top and it hangs over the edge for a minute. You're staring at the ground and then they're going to drop you. And I don't like it. And I have control. So I don't get on it. Because I can choose not to. I'm afraid of it, so I don't do it. The birth child of fear is control, but it's not always a positive thing. Sometimes it is. I mean, sometimes it's called wisdom. But, um, yeah, don't like that thing. Um, But there are other things in life that you get robbed of out of fear when if you would step into the perfect love that you've been loved with, Perfect love can cast out fear, and suddenly the supernatural and the breakthrough and the deliverance that God wants to bring often can come. That's just on the other side of letting go of control and realize you're a steward of your time, not an owner of your time. Right? How much time will it take? I don't have enough time. I spent too much of my time. Don't waste my time. How often do we hear my time? You know the problem with that is? Time's a fleeting resource. And you don't really know how much of it you've got. And when we take selfish ownership of anything, we become slaves to fear because we're afraid we're going to lose something. Right? Like, I've got to do this now or it's going to be over. Well, right, this fear of loss comes over you and this terror. And sometimes we have a hard time letting go of our children because of what I'm dealing with now. She's all grown up. And I'm feeling the loss of the time past. And if I'm not careful, I can become controlling and manipulative of her because of my fear of loss. Selfish ownership of anything, we can become slaves to fear because of the fear of loss. When I was living in Delaware, 
and Joseph was a toddler, um, I went into the bedroom in our house, and when I came into the door, um, on the wall right here was a, uh, a chest of drawers, a dresser, it had a mirror on it, and Joseph was a little shorter than the dresser was tall, and when I was coming up, I could hear something in the room, and I come around, and it's Joseph, and he's in the corner by, on the other side of the dresser, right in front of where you go into the bathroom right there, and when I come around the corner, and I look at him, and he looks up at me, and he's got a stick of Carmex, of chapstick, right, in his hand, and he's going, hiding in the corner with this Carmex, and so I was like, Joseph, you know, what, you know, what are you doing, kind of thing, and he looked at me, he got afraid, and he took it and started going, <laughs> it was the funniest thing, I swear to you, I wish we had filmed it, but what happened is I was coming in to get it from him, and he was going to get all he could get before he lost it, and uh, it's one of my favorite favorites ever. I really wish I had, had a video. But here's the deal. It's all coming to an end, gang, and you know it. They're going to plant you somewhere and you push up daisy. They're going to burn you and put you in a box. And it is coming to an end. And every single one of you know it, but the problem is you don't know when. Some of you sitting in here today, this is your last worship service possibly. And it's over. Some of you have spoken to a particular relative for the last time because either they or you are going to die before the next time you talk. You don't know how much time you have. It is important what you do with your time. But the problem is you can become a slave to fear over that or it can become something that totally sets you free to step into everything that God's got for you. And it's a choice like the song this morning. I'm not going to let fear keep me here. Keep me immobilized. We've got to become good stewards of our time. And it begins with understanding it's not your time. It's his. And you're just a steward. And that's where true freedom is found. Um, I want you, if you will, to turn to John 10. I quote this passage to you all the time. Um, again, because it's another one that never needs to get old to us. But go to John 10, if you will. And I want you to underline this in your Bible, if you have not. Because this is a key to the kingdom, and it's huge. John 10, verse 10. This is Jesus talking. And what we have here is the two kingdoms listed. What we have here in this scripture is this is a stewardship scripture. This scripture is about stewardship. It's about generosity. The thief, the enemy, the world system, the kingdom of darkness comes to, only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus, I, who's speaking there, have come that they, being you, may have life and have it to the full. So the kingdom of this world, the world structure, the things that seek to pull you away from the way that the Lord has ordained and structured things, the enemy of your soul comes to take away from you, to steal from you, to destroy things in your life. The economy of the world, the economy of the kingdom of, the dar of darkness is to take, to lose. But the economy of the kingdom of heaven, of the kingdom of God is to come and give and give life, and give even more life. It's a generous God who pours himself out without measure to give life and to give it to the full. But yet our response to God so often is God just wants to take. God wants to rob. How much am I going to have to give up to God? Listen, it's never a bad investment in the kingdom. It's only returns. When we give into the kingdom of God, when we sow in the kingdom of God, 
When we purchase according to the kingdom of God, God gives life and gives life to the full. But when we get outside of that economy and we operate according to the world's economy, which sometimes is our selfish desires, it's our fear, it's the pressure of other people, it's operating out of the brokenness of our past or in codependent things, when we operate in that stuff, we get robbed. We get stolen from. There are billionaires who commit suicide because they feel totally helpless, lost, and depressed. They have everything, but have nothing. True? What's the deal with professional athletes? They get to the end of their careers, and they can no longer do what they did, and they wind up squandering what they acquired for themselves, and they've had you know, divorces and multiple wives and depression, some suicidal and whatnot. Some of them do very well for themselves, but a lot of them wind up in these very difficult states because they are now reaping from where they have sown. Nothing wrong with wealth. What's wrong is when wealth has you. Money is the only thing in the Bible that's described as you can't serve God in money. But it doesn't mean you can't have it, you just can't serve it. But time is the thing that will terrorize you. And you get super possessive over it. Because it's a resource that you never know when you have no more. When we spend according to the world's economy, we purchase its rewards. When we spend according to the kingdom's economy, we purchase its rewards. One unleashes the kingdom of God uh, in and through your life. The other one robs it from you. You have been given a life. You've been given a gift. You're alive. You're here. And in your life, you have time. You have talents. You have resources, and those are things that we steward. I want you to flip over, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 5. And we're just going to spend the remainder of our time um, together this morning there. And um, it's really pretty amazing uh, that the very thing that God wants to use to set us free is the very thing the world wants to use to enslave us. How many of you feel overcommitted and overbusy and exhausted? Did you know that the laziest person on the planet and the most productive person on the planet has the exact same amount of time? It's 24 hours, people. What's the deal with that? Stewardship of time. All right, in verse 1 of chapter 5, it says this. God forgave you. Well, we could go to lunch on that. That's good enough right there. God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Okay, once again, we have this picture of this generous God who gives and gives life and gives for you so that you can have life and come home and be his children. But listen to what he says. He says, follow God's example. Oh, there it is. People, oh, yeah, there are the rules. Here's the stuff we got to do right? What have I got to do? What are you asking of me, pastor? Okay, you know. No, 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 no. You got to read the whole thing. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, not as slaves, not as people that God just tries to tolerate and get you to act right. I mean, some people really have a view of God and Christianity as if the whole deal is to get you to act right. If that's the case, we're all up the creek without a paddle because I don't act right most days. What's the motivation? God forgave us, and we're his dearly loved children, so follow Christ's example. 
We follow his example because we can, because we're his kids. All right. Now, that's the sum up of what follows, really. So get down to verse 15. And because God forgave you, because he's given us this example, because we're his dearly loved children, verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Somebody else's Bible in here says, redeem the time. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk with wine, leads to debauchery. Great word, means really bad stuff. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Not in everything, for everything. That's a tough one this morning. Are you thankful for your difficult finances? Are you thankful for that person that hurts your feelings? Be thankful to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be careful how you live. The word careful there, the word careful means to be accurate. Well, that takes us all the way back to verse 1. Be careful how you live. Well, how, how is that? Well, be accurate to the example that's been set because we're dearly loved children. We're following Christ's example. Be careful to live that way. Not because God's going to beat you over the head with a stick or that he's mad at you or he's like some little bully sitting on top of a stool with a magnifying glass going to fry you with the sun like ants. It's because he has blessings that he wants to unfold for you. He wants to do supernatural and incredible things through you that you never dreamed could be possible in your life. He wants to use you to impact the lives of other people in ways that you never imagined. You matter. Be careful how you live because you don't want to miss any of that stuff. Christ's example for us was so that we could live that kind of life. Now, what kind of impact did Jesus have? What kind of miracles did Jesus see and do? Follow that example. Yeah. Be careful because you want that. You don't want to miss it. Not because God wants to punish you if you miss it. Be careful how you live. Follow his example. Be accurate to that. Verse 16 there is where he says this. Make the most of every opportunity or redeeming the time. The word there is exactly that. It is a marketplace financial term. It means to purchase. Purchase the opportunities. Purchase the time. Spend it wisely, is what it's saying. Well, gosh, I don't know how much time I've got. Well, no. So you want to be wise how you spend it. Right? You want to do good things with it. If I gave you $78, you would go, thanks. I don't know about your house, $78 is a lot of money in my house. It's 78 bucks. That's awesome. Like, I'm going to take my kids out to eat, you know. Maybe we'll, you know, maybe we'll buy one season pass at the water park. You know, somebody gives you 78 bucks. I'm like, wow. You're excited about that. But what if when you were of age to work and whatnot, and somebody hands you 78 bucks and says, this is all the money that will ever be placed into your hand. Suddenly your mindset goes from, hey, I'm going to take the kids out to eat to, man, I want to do some wise things with this money so it can continue to produce for me. 
I want to make good decisions with this. The average life expectancy in the United States is 78 years. The difference between time and money is you can make more money. You can't make more time. And the thing is, you don't know how much time you've got, as we've been talking about this morning. So much more so than just handing you 78 bucks, you want to look at your moments and go, what's the best use of my moments? Is it worth hanging on to unforgiveness for one more day? Is it really worth flipping that guy off that I'm never going to see again who had a New Jersey tag? Right? Is it, is it really worth what it costs me to invest there? Because you might be investing in the kingdom that produces destruction, that takes, that causes you to lose. You want to take that moment and invest that moment into the kingdom that produces life and life to the full. You want to make kingdom investments. Being aware of your time. The first phrase I'd love for you to write down if you're taking notes is we need to understand time so that we're not terrorized by it. First thing, understand time. Time is not about tick, 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 tick. Time is not about clocks. Time is about opportunities for the believer. If you're a follower of Christ, time is opportunity. Time is not something that you're losing. Time is something that has been given to you to steward that you can invest. The deal is you're only in the moment you're in. You don't know if you got another moment and the moments you had in the past are gone. So for those of you that are here in this house today, how you invest in your moment? You chose to come here today. I know the staff, myself, I, we're volunteers that serve to make all this happen. We're honored that you would come and be family with us because you could be anywhere else doing anything else today and you chose to be here. And we want to make sure that it's a wise investment of your moment, that you receive something that sows into kingdom that produces life and life to the full in you. We don't want to take anything from you. We just want to sow into you so you can just go and fulfill and be and step into everything God's got for you. What are you doing? Because here's the thing I don't have control over. I got control over what I'm talking about to a certain degree. Sometimes this thing up here in my face gets me in trouble. But I, for the most part, I have control over this. I don't have control over you and your moment. I got my moment right here. You got your moment out there. Is your heart open? Are you listening for what the Lord would say to you? Are you paying attention to whatever the Lord's stirring in your heart in this moment? Time is not about clocks. It's about opportunities. And you either take them or you miss them. And when you miss them, it's just an opportunity for the enemy and the world system to rob from you. When we invest in kingdom, it's just blessing for you. God wants to pour in and grow you and help you step further into the purposes that he has created you for. So it's not about how long is it going to take or how long do I have. It's with the time that I have, how can I invest for the kingdom and not take for myself? Trusting that God is going to pour into us what he said. He is going to provide for you according to his riches and glory. He knows what you need before you ask is what scripture says. But we get into this mindset of taking and all that does is cause us to lose. We've got to begin to see moments as opportunities for the invasion of heaven. When you are with your boss tomorrow or your spouse this afternoon or whatever, and that moment happens and you have the opportunity to react or to respond, to invest or lose, you have that moment to where if you offer forgiveness instead of retribution, you can see the invasion of heaven happen and see kingdom moments and miracles. Listen, just on the other side of some things that we've been trying to hoard or hold on to out of fear, if we begin to just invest 
our time in the way that God would lead and direct, you might find the miracle and the breakthrough and the freedom you've been looking for. And I know some of you, if you're like me in here, you've got to be tired of dragging around some of the stuff you've been hanging on to. We just need to invest. It's not a time issue. It's a heart issue. Verses 17 and 18 say this. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. That word again. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now listen, that one verse there, the emphasis of that scripture is not about being drunk. Okay? It's not really about alcohol. It is give, it's making a comparison of value in this statement. Now, the book of Proverbs has all, in, all kinds of incredible things to say about foolishness and the results of foolish behavior. Okay? Wise investments of time. And the wise use of alcohol is, uh, falls into that, let's be smart and not foolish, okay? Everybody's all hung up on, is it a sin to be a drunk? Sin, well, be a drunk or be drunk, right? Listen, just follow Jesus and do what he says and make wise investments in your time, and you're probably going to find that you're not drunk because it's not necessarily a wise investment of your time. But that's not what this passage is about. This passage is saying it's really about self-medication is what this passage is about. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, you need to be filled with God's Spirit every day as a wise investment of your time. The words there when it says be filled is actually about a continual filling. And it's not about something from the outside coming in that you don't have to try to make you okay. It's that thing that was placed in you at salvation and the filling of the Holy Spirit that God seated in you that rises up and out. And everybody knows you should stagnant, non-moving water produces nastiness, toxic stuff, and mosquitoes. But water that flows has life in it and produces life where it goes. And God wants that to be the investment in your life, okay? Whereas we often self-medicate instead of investing in the kingdom and allowing, being led by God's spirit and whatnot, we'll do other things to try to make ourselves feel okay and deal with our stress and our other bad choices where maybe it is too much alcohol. For some of you, maybe it's anger and bitterness. For some of you, maybe it's food. For some of you, maybe it's emotional distress. I was telling the first service that some people have an identity crisis, right? Some people have a crisis identity. You know those people where they've always got to have some kind of drama going on? Like their whole world is wrapped up in having to have drama surround them all the time. That really is just a form of self-medication. To try to get attention on themselves, to try to have a problem to resolve, to try to feel better about themselves. When the answer is, look, don't go out there and try to find all these other things to satisfy. Be filled daily with the Holy Spirit. Because He's going to lead you and guide you to the right moments of investment. The things that unlock things for you and set you free. So the first thing there this morning is we need to understand time. The second thing is it's about priorities. The priority here is God's priorities. Because if it's left up to me, I'm just going to wind up over here somewhere self-medicating, just trying to survive in some way. Try to make it through and try to find happiness. (laughs) Happiness was never a commodity that was meant to be found. out there somewhere. Maybe you'll find it. Whatever your favorite adventure movie is on some kind of quest, looking for happiness. (laughs) God so loved the world that he gave. You ain't got to find it. It's offered to you. 
You give your life to Christ, joy himself takes up residence in you. And in a spirit-led flow, it's something that's always accessible to you. I don't have to go and find happiness. I got Jesus. He lives in me. Paul said this, I have found that I can be content in all circumstances. And he said that while he was sitting in prison. You read the book of Philippians. The dude is in jail, locked up. He's in shackles for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Doesn't know necessarily what's going to unfold for him next. And the whole book he wrote, the whole letter there is about having joy. Investing in the kingdom, being led by spirit, having the right priorities. How many of us know when your priorities are out of whack, your life is out of whack? How do we set priorities? Be filled with the Spirit. Every day when you get up before your feet hit the floor, you say, man, my eyes open today. Thank you, God, for this moment. I'm going to invest the first moment of my day by putting my attention on you because it sets the course for my day. And then every moment that follows, Lord, I'm going to trust you to guide me through these moments so that I can respond with investments in the kingdom instead of trying to acquire from the world just to make myself feel better or try to achieve for myself. It's not about trying to be super spiritual so that when you go to the grocery store, well, I'm going to invest my grocery store moment in the kingdom. So bless God, beans. Thank you, Jesus, for the steak. No, it's really about when people cross your path, right? Or maybe it's about when you go to the grocery store, right? Being open to what unfolds in the moment and that when opportunities arise to invest in someone else, or when the opportunity arises to respond in a certain way, you invest in the kingdom in that moment. You steward that moment that takes place. Uh, I was telling the first service, I um, went to McDonald's on Friday night on the way to church. Don't judge me. I was a bachelor this weekend. At least it was at a women's retreat. I had two kids. They had to eat something and, you know, so we went by McDonald's. All right. So we're going through the drive-thru and um, when I get up to the drive-thru, the drive-thru window, um, um, when the, the lady slides open the window and she says, she says, did you order a, a McFrappe, whatever, whatever, and a coffee thing? And I was like, no. And she, in all seriousness, she just kind of looked at me in a panic and she held up her finger and then just closed the window and went back in. And then I was watching and one person showed up and there was a discussion with that person. Then another person showed up and I thought, it's going downhill. It's just all going downhill. You know, it's all going south or whatever. And so, and then it starts to rise up in me, right? Because if it takes longer than two minutes at the window, you're upset, right? Time. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late for practice. And, uh, and so I'm going, oh my gosh, for band practice on Friday night, goodness, I'm, I'm, and I'm getting stirred up and I'm getting tense about it. And, uh, you know, and then the lady, uh, uh, opens it back up and she's telling me they're having this problem with, with the register and that people are paying for the wrong orders. And she kind of does this and goes back in and they're still talking. And, uh, and I, really, and I'm really honestly really frustrated because like, you know, the domino effect when things start going, so if I'm late, then I'm going to have this and I've got to get this in the computer and just all this different stuff. And I'm looking in the side view mirror and the lady behind me in the car, because the line's now going around the building to this whole backup. And it was really pretty on Friday. So her window was down and she had an arm outside the car and she's kind of slapping her door and she's wrapping her fingers on her, on her, on her steering wheel. And she's kind of huffing and puffing back in the car behind me. So she's frustrated that it's taken a long time. And so when the lady opens the window back up, finally, she just looks at me, kind of leans out and she just goes, just go on, just go get your food. So I was like, oh, free food, right? So she's moving me on. So I looked at her and I said, hey, 
uh, since you're going to give me, you know, basically you're going to give me my food, I was like, can I pay for that lady's stuff behind me? She had the McFrappe. It was the lady behind me. And so uh, she's like, yeah. I was like, yeah. And so all of a sudden, I'm kind of grinning. The boys in the back are getting this example of, wait a minute, you just got a free lunch and you're going to pay for somebody else's meal. So they get to see this go down. All of a sudden, the lady there who was waiting on the window, because she's frustrated because this whole thing's going south for her because it's multiple cars. And you're sure that some people have been rude to her, right? That's because that's how it goes. I'm sure it wasn't you, but I'm somebody was probably rude to her, you know, in line. And uh, she starts to grin a little bit because that was an unexpected thing for her. And then it was a riot. Me and Joseph and Michael in the car were watching this lady when she tried to pay for her drink and they wouldn't let her pay for it. And she started, she was like, and she started grinning, you know, just a small thing. Because I was upset, but I decided to take a hold of my moment and invest it differently. And then what wound up happening, in all seriousness, she's grinning back there and then we just drive off. And then I have no idea. That's what happened. I don't know. Maybe that was it. Maybe the lady got a laugh and she grinned. Maybe she was having a really, really horrible day and some hope got sowed in her that there were some good people in the world that love other folks. You don't know. How often, if you would just, we just want results, but if we would invest our moment differently, right, that that person that might be at the end of their rope may find eternal life. You don't know. But it's too important to not invest. And do not steward your moments. We have to set our priorities. God sets what's most important, and then I need to make decisions according to that. When our priorities are in line, then peace and blessing can flow. And you know that feeling when you know that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, right where you're supposed to be, that peace that comes and satisfaction. Did you know that that's available to you all the time? By investing setting your priorities. And then the last thing here is to live a life of worship. I want you to flip over to 1 Corinthians, if you will. And Chris, if you'll come, and uh, we're just going to kind of close up here because I want to honor your time. Um, Over in 1 Corinthians, um, look at uh, uh, chapter 10 with me. And um, it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says this, and all you do in word or deed, do all to the glory of God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all to the glory of God. And verse 19, back in that chapter that we're reading in today, in Ephesians 5, says this, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you understand that time is about stewarding your moments that God has afforded you as a gift and you get your priorities in life in order and then we begin to live a life of worship in those moments. And what that worship looks like, that psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, all that, is whatever you do in word or deed, do it to God's glory. When you understand that it's about Him, And not about you. When we make it about him, I promise you, the creator of the universe is a whole lot better equipped about making it about you than you are equipped about making it about you. So if we'll make it about him, we get to receive the blessings from that and the freedom and the joy that comes. So we just thank him. We glorify him. And yeah, sometimes that means, God, thank you. I know my my boss is a jerk, but I thank you for the opportunity to be a light in his world. 
Lord, thank you that I'm in this season with my spouse and things are not going well, but I know that you can be trusted and that you're in this with us and we're going to come out stronger and you're going to weave this thing together and you're going to give us hope. When worship starts coming off your lips, it changes your perspective. And when we exalt God to the highest place, that by default makes everything else less. Right? But what happens is we wind up exalting our circumstances and our difficulties by our complaining and our fear, and all of a sudden God is less. And we wind up getting robbed because we're investing in the other economy. I've told you before, complaining and grumbling is giving worship to your circumstances. But giving thanks and praise and glory to God is stewarding your moment and seizing the opportunity where joy and hope and all that can rise in you and you can see the invasion of heaven and you can see miracles take place. Psalms, they're in the book. Read them. It says, speak to one another in psalms. Sing them. In other words, psalms are their prayers, their declarations about God, their cries of the heart. That's what psalms are. Hymns. Hymns are declarations of who God is and what he's done. That's what hymns are. Declarations of who God is and what he's done. We need to be doing that. There was an old song that we used to sing in uh, some of our church circles that said, he'll do it again. But if you aren't saying and thinking and in your praise and your worship going, I know God will do it again. He's done it in my life before. I know he'll do it again. And all you are saying is, we're not going to make it. It's difficult. How am I going to do it? I got to you'll be hopeless and you'll miss it. But if we begin to live the life of worship and saying, I know he can do it again, he's done it before. All of a sudden you see the opportunities, you see the way, you may see provision that you would have missed when your eyes are down in your stuff. But worship elevates. It lifts our eyes up to the one who is the one who brings all the miracle and the direction. So listen, if you guys will stand with me, just with some thoughts about time this morning, Time is short. Life is a vapor. This scripture here tells us that the days are evil. We can agree on that. There's difficult things going on in our world these days. But God is good. God's given us the kingdom. He says that his kingdom is righteousness and peace and it's joy. And we have that to offer other people. So I just want to ask you as we get ready to pray today, what are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your time? There are those of you in here today, you need to quit some stuff. You are too busy. We have got to learn the difference between a bad idea, a good idea, and there's a third one, a God idea. Just because it's a good thing doesn't mean it's a God thing. And some of us are drowning in good things. I want you to have God things. So some of us need to change some of the things we're committed to. Some of you have some relationships you need to get out of that are an investment in the kingdom that's stealing from you. What are your priorities today? I mean, did you come to church just because it's what you're supposed to do and now it's just like, well, he hush, pray so we can go eat lunch? That's okay. I'm not offended at that. Sometimes I feel that way about myself when I'm up here talking. So... Um, or did you come today because you're saying, hey, the Lord has something for me. And I want to lay hold of him. What's your priority? Because whatever your set priorities are, are going to determine. They're going to turn, determine your direction. They're going to determine what you receive. Your priorities are going to determine the impact you have. Are they God priorities? 
So I want to pray for you. And then after I pray, the prayer team will be up here for you to pray for some specific needs if you want to come for that today. But I want us to make this commitment as we get ready to pray corporately together today. I don't want to miss a moment. I want that for you. I don't want to miss a moment. I don't want to miss a moment. The compromise isn't worth it. You don't know how many moments you got. And if you're in here feeling like you've squandered all your moments, then this is your moment today to feel the restoration and the healing and the forgiveness of God. And if you're breathing, it's not over and God's got amazing things for you. You can start stewarding your moments today. I don't want you to miss a moment. Father, I pray for all these folks today as we begin this thing about generosity, Lord, that you didn't have to do anything, but you wanted to out of your loving nature to come, to create, to have a family and to give everything for us to be able to come home by way of the cross. And now we have this life. We have one foot in front of the other, one moment to the next. And in every moment, Lord, I know that we can see heaven unleashed and we can experience new intimacy with you and health in our relationships, prosperity in our lives as we follow you. We can see heaven unleashed as we steward our moments according to your priorities. And Lord, we commit today that your worship would be on our lips, that we will thank you for the circumstances we're in because if it's not good right now, it's going to be because you said that you will work all things together for our good. And Lord, I thank you that we do not have to be afraid of death, but that we are a people now where death has no sting because we are forever beings in Christ. Help us to steward with that in mind. I just pray today that there will be folks right here in this moment that would get set free from the terror of I don't have enough time. What am I going to do? What's going to happen? The fear of loss. And they could be set free and God has entrusted moments to me. And I get to invest them. And I get to see miracles and breakthrough. I pray for the voice of the Holy Spirit to speak to these folks today. Fill them afresh and anew with the Holy Spirit. Guide their steps. Lead them. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.